1: plan will continue in your own life, even in your own backsliding, even in your own sin, even in your own pride, and even though your wrong choices, nothing will thwart the plan of God. And even though David failed, God didn't. And even though you may fail, God won't. God will never fail you. David was sleeping with the enemy, but God was on patrol, watching out over everything. David was doing his thing, but God was keeping watch. And when the time came, rescue David out of
0: there. David thought he couldn't be happy or at peace in Israel, and so strayed to his enemies. Yet the Philistines rejected him. David had no one because he had strayed from God and his people. Today, Pastor Dave will explain how God used the rejection of the enemy for his purpose, as he always does. He'll use all things for his good purpose. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 29, as he continues his message, Betwixt and Between.
1: Israelites were getting the better hand of the Philistines. And what did they do? They turned and fought on the side of the Israelites. <laughs> so that's what these guys are kind of bringing that up. Uh, these guys are go- they're going to turn and be against us. What a better way to get favor with your servant, with your king, than take a couple of Philistine heads. Uh, come on. And they even bring back the song. Look at verse 5. Is this not David, of whom they sang to one another in dances? Saul has slain his ten thou- thousands, but David is ten thousands. So, in reality, the victory over Goliath might have been a long time ago, but these guys didn't forget it. Remember, Gath, Gath is Goliath's hometown. Gath is where Goliath grew up. Remember that. And these guys are saying, wait a minute, this guy, you know. Another commentator said, the song that seems so sour to us often is the very song God uses down the road to rescue us from disaster. I like that. Remember how sour this song was to Saul? Remember when they sang it, Saul got all uppity and got really angry because they were giving David more credit than him? How dare they? Who do they think they are? They made Saul mad and aroused his anger towards David. And now God uses this same song to rescue David from Making a disastrous mistake. If David had gone into battle, oh my gosh, the results would have been disastrous. The the results would have been nothing more than disastrous. Let's look at verses 6 and 7. Then Achish called David and said to him, Surely, as the Lord lives, I don't know why this Philistine king is quoting the Lord, as the Lord lives. Did did something of David rub off? I don't know. David hasn't shown any any, any following of God to him. I don't know why. Maybe he's just trying to butter David up. You have been upright and you're going out and you're coming in with me and the army is good in my sight. For this day I have not found evil in you since the day of your coming. Nevertheless, the Lord's do not favor you. Therefore, return now and go in peace that you may not displease the Lord's of the Philistines. So the king advises David to go back to Ziklag. Remember, that's the town that they took. But he's still praising David for his uprightness. It's interesting to me that the entire time David was in this Ziklag, bro, well, what did he do? You tell me what he did. He lied. What did he lie about? Yeah, who he was attacking. He went out and started attacking the Amalekites and taking all kinds of things from them. And every time he went back, he said, oh, I was in southern Judah attacking them. He was lying. He was deceiving the king. And he was killing everybody. He was killing the women, the men. He was taking everything, and he was taking everything for himself. He was lying. He became a murderer. Remember, we talked about that. He became a murderer. And here the king is saying, I believe you. you I find no fault in you. Man. And then David continues his deception. <laughs> Look, at, David continues in deception because he's going to ask the king, what have I done? He appears to be deeply hurt by the king's order, you know. When we're caught, we become like self-righteous. Like, whoa, 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 what? What do you mean? What do you mean? And we act like this her. David wants to know, didn't I prove myself to you? Did David not want to fight against the enemies of the Lord? So I guess we have to ask the question, who was David's Lord? At this time in David's life, who was David's Lord? Was it King Saul? Was it King Akish? Or was it Jehovah? Who was David serving? And who was David's enemies? Was it the Israelites or the Philistines? And I think we have to ask these same questions of ourselves. Who is our Lord? Who are we serving right now? Are we serving our besetting sin? Are we serving our addiction? Are we serving our career, our family, our children, our finances, or maybe we're just serving ourselves? Who is our Lord? Is it the Lord Jesus Christ? I would hope it would be. Is the Lord Jesus Christ on the throne of your lives, or is it your career, your finances, your addiction, your besetting sin? Who's on the throne of your life? David was confused. He didn't really know who was on the throne of his life at that time. And who is your enemy? Who was David's enemy? He didn't know. Was it the Philistines? Was it the Israelites? He was confused. Who's our enemy? Is it the world, the flesh, and the devil? I certainly hope so. Is it our brothers and sisters in the Lord? I hope not. Is it the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it God? Who is your enemy? We need to answer those questions. We need to know who we serve. We need to know and make them satisfied in our heart. David pleads his case to Achish. Look at verse eight, like I said. So David said to Achish, but what have I done? And to this day, what have you found in your servant as long as I've been with you, that I may not go out and fight against the enemies of my Lord and King? He's calling him Lord and King. David's made his decision. David's heart is in a bad place. David's heart is in a dangerous place. But remember, he's a man after God's own heart, scripture says. David wanted to go fight the Israelites. He wanted to fight with the Philistines, but God wouldn't let him. That's what I love about God. He wouldn't let him. God didn't abandon him. God didn't abandon David, although David had abandoned God at this point. We should praise and give thanks to God for the times when he keeps us from sinning as bad as we want to. When he sends things, when he makes the sin that we're doing so distasteful, when we finally realize there's a, when he makes it distasteful to us, The Lord kept David from doing something that would have been disastrous. If David had fought with the Philistines, he would have regretted the rest of his life. Near I say, the kingdom might have been torn from him and history would have been changed. But that wasn't God's plan. Remember what we said studies ago? No one, nothing can thwart the plan of God. No one, nor nothing can can thwart the plan of God. God's plan will continue in your own life, even in your own backsliding, even in your own sin, even in your own pride, and even though your wrong choices, nothing will thwart the plan of God. And even though David failed, God didn't. And even though you may fail, God won't. God will never fail you. David was sleeping with the enemy, but God was on patrol, watching out over everything. David was doing his thing, but God was keeping watch. And when the time came, he rescued David out of there. He got David out. David might not have realized it, but God had everything under control. And sometimes when we're away from God, sometimes when we're in the midst of what looks like a never-ending battle, sometimes we're betwixt between, we don't realize that God is ever in control. And although the Lord was gracious to David, and the Lord did deliver him from the Philistines, and... David did make this grave error. It didn't prevent consequences from coming David's way. Remember that decisions were made, actions were taken against God, and what a man sows, that shall he reap. In da- later years, David's life, he will be deceived by his own staff and his own family. They will war against each other. He will his daughter will be raped. He will lose sons. These things will happen to him because of the choices he's made. These things will happen to David. Now therefore, he says in verse 10, rise early in the morning with your master's servants who have come with you. And as soon as you are up early in the morning and have light, depart. So David and his men rose early to depart in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines and the Philistines went up to Jezreel. What can we learn from this? What can we take away from this story? Again, once again, we're faced with another story. What can we take away from it? What we can learn? I think that from this this account, and we see an illustration of what's happening in Christianity all over. This is an example to me of what's happening in Christianity all over. The ones who are pursuing the path of self-will, and they refuse to submit fully to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And they deny his authority in the word. And they've sought out other things. They're searching for all sorts of other things. And we're told in the last days, these things, would happen: Itching ears. Seeking out other doctrines. Being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We said that this was happening. But I see it happening now. And they want to live as one in the world. They love the world so much. Others may not be an addiction of sort. But they've drifted away from the arms of the Lord. They've drifted from the arms of the Lord, and and they're living in a lifestyle that's contrary to his word. I see that. People come to Calvary Chapel, and I see their lives. It's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? John had not so much good things to say about the world when he writes his epistle, his first epistle. 1 John 2.15 Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father but of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust in it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. What beautiful scriptures. There are people who begin every day with devotions. And then they let their guard down and go and mingle with the world. There's people who put wonderful, beautiful things on Facebook. Wonderful, beautiful things on Facebook about how much they love the Lord. And they quote scripture. They do all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, you see them out there in the world. And they're like, what? They share ungodly conversations. They never speak of Jesus because they do not want to embarrass anyone. And they don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. We don't want to say sin. We don't want to say hell. We want to say those things. Alone. Wages of sin is death. If you don't accept Christ in your life, you're going to hell. <laughs> there you go. It's as simple as that. They ignore the counsel of God's word, and they find themselves isolated in a world that doesn't want them, just like David did. David had endured God's world, and he ended up in a place where they didn't want him either, which is good. Someone said, praise God. I agree. Praise God they didn't want him. Praise God they didn't accept him. But like David, these Christians find themselves in the wrong camp. They've taken the wrong fork in the road. They've lowered their standards to include all the world has to offer. Even excusing themselves that they must be, go to the world to win Christ. I have an alcohol problem, but I'm going into the bar because I'm going to win some to Christ. Oh, what? You are? Let me know how that one works out for you, pal. If there isn't any difference between you and the world ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, there's a problem. There's a problem. We don't want to intimidate anybody. We don't want them to think we're peculiar or different. Well, when Peter talks about the people in the old King James Version, he says, we're a peculiar people. The new King James jazzed it up and said, we're special. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like peculiar, to tell you the truth. I don't know about you, but I'm peculiar. Hang around me for a while. You'll see it, just how peculiar I really am. But there a, comes a point when they're humbled by the words which say, why are they here? That should be humbling when the world doesn't want us. When the world doesn't want us, that should tell us something. We're in the wrong camp. We're in the wrong place. And we need to hightail it back to our God. Too much of the world to be a value of Christ. Too much of Christ to be a value to the world. Betwixt and between. So I guess the question is, does someone behave like this, find themselves forsaken by God? Well, the answer is no. Someone behaving like this doesn't find themselves forsaken by God because in John ten twenty nine it says, my father which gave them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. Guzik says this, God's sheep finally find safety in both the hand of the good shepherd and God the father. It's comforting to know that the hands that created the world hold on to the believer, unquote. I like that. Oh, sometimes I wiggle out of his arms. Sometimes I wiggle out of his arms. You're holding me too tight, Lord, let me go. He goes, okay. And then I'm out there for a while and all of a sudden I don't. Like my dog, my dog runs out at night, and ever since we had this big skunk in our backyard, she goes out, takes about two steps and goes, Arr! turns around and runs back in. I do the same thing. He lets me go, and I go out, and I start going, on I whoa, and I turn around and I run back. And as soon as I turn around, he's right there. He's right there and his, his arms open. God's got us in his hand. When we read this, it makes us so thankful that we're one of his sheep. And this gives us glorious assurance. I mean, to be the one of his sheep, we've heard his voice. And Jesus said in this scripture in chapter 10 that the, my sheep hear my voice and they know me. They, they hear my voice. We've heard his voice. We've responded to him and we followed him. We have eternal life. And realizing that I'm never going to perish and nobody can pluck me out of his hand is almost too much for me to fathom. So why would I go someplace else? Why would I go? You know, Apostle Paul summed it up real quickly in that great book of Romans, in Romans 8. And Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. So what does that tell you? You know what it tells me? Never see yourself separated from Christ. Don't go out and dabble. He'll let you. The consequences are horrible. All the time David was out of God's will and in the wrong place, what was God doing? Was he inactive? Was God just sitting up there going, "Eh, David, you know, I can't do anything with him. I don't know what I'm going to do. No, he was acting mightily. He was acting mightily. If you read 1 Chronicles 12, you'll see that God was gathering thousands of people together to come to David's aid. God was gathering thousands upon thousands of people coming to support David and get him where he needs to be. And even though David was out doing his own thing, God's will would be done. God was going to get the, the last word. God's will would be accomplished. And although David was out of God's will, thought into the world in the wrong company, God says, "Don't worry, David. I'm sending you to Calvary. Here they come. I'm sending you the people to drag you out of there." God never slumbers and he never sleeps. Praise God. Praise God, he's always on our side, he's always at work. God will never allow you to lapse or backslide and divert him from his eternal plan and purpose in your life. You can't do it. Let the Holy Spirit fill you with this picture of David, a man after God's own heart, who despised, who was despised by an enemy and in the wrong company, and they had no use for him. And when we get to the next chapter, in chapter 30, we're going to find out that David's family... And all his possessions are stolen. While he's out playing army, the Amalekites come in and they burn the city to the ground, take all the men and women and children and all the stuff, and they take them out of there. Which, if you think about it, they were more gracious than David because when David came to their towns, he killed everybody. David stands in the middle of the ruins, which he brought about himself. It was the outcome of all his lies. It was the outcome of all his raiding and all his disastrous things. All the things that he got by ill-gotten means had now been taken back. His enemies had no use for him. He was a man without country. He thought God had abandoned him, but David comes to his senses. He comes back to real life and he returns immediately from his insanity. He comes from his madness and comes from his compromising stupidity. And if you look at verse 30 in verse 6, It says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord as God. He returned. He returned to God. Instantly, David was back in the place of blessing. I love it. One minute, David's out here. Next minute, he turns and he strengthens himself in the Lord as God. And he's instantly back in God's grace. Instantly back in God's blessing, which had never left him in the first place. David asked the Lord, what should I do? Bring the ephod. Let me pray. Seek the Lord. What should I do? The Lord didn't look at him and go, well, you know, you've been backsliding, so put you on the shelf for a while. Maybe in about seven, eight months, you might be of good use for me. Nah. You need a little more training. I don't think I don't know. David said, go get them. God said, go get the guys. Go, pursue them and overtake them. I put them in your hand. David was at rock bottom. But he knew his way back. David knew his way back, just like the prodigal son. As soon as the Lord saw David's face towards him, as soon as the Lord saw David's tears, as soon as the Lord saw David's broken heart, he became David's strength because he came back. No different than the prodigal son. What a glorious glorious picture of the prodigal son. Luke 15. Dad, give me my money. At the time... The father could give the son his inheritance if the son wanted it. His father, being a gracious father, a picture of God, gave the son his inheritance. Here it is. Son goes out and squanders it. Squanders it. Goes out and does all sorts of things in the world. Ends up wallowing with pigs. I love that visual. Ends up wallowing with pigs. Been there. Been there. Sometimes those pigs look pretty good. Oh, what a horrible place to be. But he comes to his senses. You know, if I would just go back to my father and be a servant, even a servant has something to eat, even a servant gets morsels from the table, I think I'll go back. And all the time, what's the father doing? Day after day after day after day, the father's on the porch. Where is he? Knew he would come back. The father knew he would come back. Why? Because nothing can take him out of the father's hand. He knew he would come back. And then that wonderful, glorious day when the father's out there and says, wait a minute, it's my son. And he runs to meet the kid. Runs to meet the kid and grabs him and kisses him all over. Gives him the royal road, royal finger, kill the fatted calf. My son was lost, now he's found. This is what David experienced.
0: David experienced this.
1: If you're away from God, you can experience this. You can experience this by coming forward and getting some prayer that we might pray for you that you would experience God's love in such a way that you wouldn't be out there dabbling out there doing whatever it is that you might be doing God wanting to draw you back God loves you God loves you I can't re-emphasize that enough that God loves you he wants nothing more to see you walking in him. Nothing more than see you having the abundant love. He wants to bless you abundantly. He wants to pour out all his blessings upon you. For he loves you so. He just wants you to return. God was so excited when he saw David repent. When David came to his senses and came back to the Lord. We need to get back. If you've yes. slid away, pray for restoration in God's kingdom pray to come back understand what God wants to do in your lives you may have walked away from God he hasn't walked away from you you may have turned your back on him he hasn't turned your back on you and all the while you have your back turned on him he's still working on your behalf what a beautiful wonderful God we serve amen you are sure
0: We're so glad you joined Pastor Dave Schenck today for A Sure Hope. This study in 1 Samuel has been taking you further into God's process of fulfilling promises, and it may not look like you'd always wanted to. God gave a promise to David when he was young and unequipped to handle the magnitude of what was to come. God still gave him a glimpse to the future though, and we walked with David to help him grow and learn. God's plan included trials along with victories, but he was faithful to David throughout. Right now in our country, We are facing a trial never before experienced. Don't fear. God is as faithful to you now as He was to David. He will bring you through, and you can lean on Him for strength and comfort in the waiting. We'd encourage you to read ahead in 1 Samuel and discover for yourself how God works life out, and let Him encourage you through it. How can we be praying for you during this 1 Samuel study and during this unusual time in history? Please give us a call and let us know at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased to be able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series and the book of 1 Samuel, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to Assure Hope.